This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our program today. We're so happy you have joined us on this, once again, Ahanu, beautiful, cloudy, cloudy San Diego day. But since it has been 90 degrees or thereabouts this past week, I am delighted that it's overcast today and it's a little cooler. How about you? Well, it's very appropriate that you should start the show today talking about the weather, Angel Rose, because the weather is always about predictions. It's always about the weatherman coming on and talking about, oh, it's going to be sunny or rainy tomorrow, next week, whatever. And that's the purpose of our discussion today is all about predictions. We're going to talk about predictions, prophecies, timelines and all kinds of good stuff like that. So this is going to be quite riveting. But we have some sad news, too, that Angel Rose wants to wants to tell you. Yes, I don't know if anybody out there has ever been aware of the Bridging Heaven to Earth project but it was started by a man named Alan Sabartas. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. And he is in Santa Barbara, California. And him and his lovely fiancée, Bianca, and their crew have been doing a TV show for a number of years now. And it's called Bridging Heaven and Earth because he would enlist people to create art paintings that represented the bridging of heaven and Earth. Wonderful art. Ahanu and I were invited to come on his show in February this year, and Ahanu made a beautiful painting for the contribution, and I made a few little fairies and fairy houses. And the people he has had on his show have, have just been extremely gifted and talented people. And Alan himself was such a loving, lighthearted man. We only got to know him just a little bit, but what a wonderful person. And we just found out this morning that he passed away yesterday suddenly. So we just want to express our love to Alan wherever you are and to his family, that they can get through this and that the project can continue. So I just wanted to make mention of Alan. You know, uh, I've talked to his one of his assistants earlier today and She's sure that he's in heaven, dancing around, having a blast. But we got to talking, and this does tie in with our show today. We got to talking, her and I, about the energy lately, that the energy has been kind of sad. You know, she was saying how she'd gone into a type of despondency this past week and with this feeling of what's going on on the planet because she was feeling strange. And I myself have been feeling this way as well. So I think it is time that we do take a look and see what's going on because the energy that I'm feeling is, that's a bit worrisome. You know, I don't have a particular, but I feel anxious. Now, do you know if you're feeling anxious because your friend was going to leave the planet or were you feeling anxious for some other reason? But 
she shared with me too that there'd been many losses uh, in her school of spiritual friends and suddenly people seem to be leaving again. And we do know that that happens periodically while you'll be watching all sorts of people who carry a lot of strong spiritual energy to suddenly leave. Yes. And you wonder what they're doing. We're yeah. also getting it too, Angel Rose, in terms of the people who, are, who we're in touch with in our own circle with World of Empowerment. And a lot of those are contacting us to say that they feel stressed, particularly stressed at this time, that they feel as if they're blocked, that they feel things are in their way. They're, some of them are suffering from kind of strange maladies of all kinds, but a lot of them are tiredness, um, aches and pains, bones, creaking clicking you know various kind of different some skin issues and there's a danger of getting involved in contributing to it but you also have the other school of thought that's out there that is saying oh you know we told you all about this we told you this was coming this is all part of the plagues and this is all part of the the four horsemen of the apocalypse and this is what is going to lead us into our discussion today in talking about predictions and prophecies and that kind of thing because the thing that i want to get across today if at all possible is not to energize a negative outcome but it seems that a lot of people have already done that in the past and now we're seeing the manifestation of it there's also evidence of some entity attachments going on with people who you know, would not normally have that happen to them. And so I think we all need to be a little bit on our guard here. I do know that there's some grand cross coming up in the cosmos that involves um, some planets. So I don't know how much influence that is having or not having, but we do need to be mindful in this time period right now, especially now. Well, I'm going to come at the whole idea of prophecies from Source's point of view. Being in the Akashic Records and talking to Source since 2009, inevitably I always have people wanting to know about the planet. They're always asking about climate changes, financial collapse, uh, earth changes. They're concerned about the chemtrails and the weather, and inevitably they want a heads up so they can prepare. And Source is very interesting in its perspective of talking to us on a multitude of levels from its perspective, from where it is, and then coming down through the different levels and ending up at our 3D level. So we have to keep in mind the consciousness perspective, the fact that we all have the ability to be using our consciousness to create a future. And what Source has always said about predictions that people have said years ago, everything from Nostradamus to Edgar Cayce to any other philosopher who may have come out, uh, things in the Bible, the whole Armageddon scenario, the apocalypse, all of that. And Source has always told us that the future is not written yet. Yes, there are different timelines that are possibilities, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But Source has always been really clear not to predict a future event itself. In other words, it would say to me that we are in a purification process, but that purification process uh, has a lot to do with us purifying our own lower nature. And our own lower nature 
is the part of us that judges and condemns and acts in any way that is unloving, let's just say. Because uh, we've been told that we are here to develop virtues and virtues are the result of choices and challenges that we have. In other words, you develop a virtue by being tested in some way. And this is the way your own spirit puts you in a situation where you have to make a choice between something of a lower nature or something of a higher nature. And we're being put in that situation all the time. All right, so when it comes to prophecies and predictions, source never affirms them. It never says, yep, you know, this is the destiny, this is what's going to occur. It never does that. In fact, it cautions us against putting energy into prophecies that are out there. Now, here is here is what is true about the things that people who prophesy see. We do live in a universe where there's an infinite number of timelines. And a timeline is a track that people go down. In other words, it's a path, okay, that can lead to a particular outcome. And there's a multitude of timelines or possibilities that we can go down in terms of our own future on this planet. Has the Armageddon timeline, is it there? Yes, it is. Is the complete destruction of the earth a timeline that's there? Yes, it is. But there is also a Paradise Earth timeline where everything is resurrected and everything is uh, working in harmony and our earth is not polluted and it's clean and our atmosphere is clean. That is just as much in existence. In fact, I've seen it, so I know it's there as any other timeline of destruction and one world order domination or any of those things. So it is the reason why after our free sessions on Sundays once a month, we take a journey to Paradise Earth so that we can energize that reality and bring it online with this one. That's the reason we do that. So we wanted to discuss today not particular prophecies because we're not going down that road, but the idea of prophecies in general. We do have to talk also about the difference between predictions and prophecies. And for the purpose of getting an accurate understanding of what that difference is, I did just take the precaution of looking up to see what Wikipedia says. And it says a prediction our forecast is a statement about the way things will happen in the future, often but not always based on experience or knowledge. While there is much overlap between prediction and forecast, a prediction may be a statement that some outcome is expected, while a forecast is more specific and may cover a range of possible outcomes. Now it goes on to say, of course, that guaranteed information about the future is in many cases impossible. Prediction is necessary, though, to allow plans to be made about possible developments. And that takes us into a whole other area of discussion when we talk about making plans. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. And it's kind of a mixed bag, really, because on the one hand, you know, when we look out and we see that we're obviously in climate changes and we're obviously in earth changes, 
you know, we ourselves have told people that it's just practical to have some things in your home in the event of an emergency, in the event that your power goes out or your heat supply or your cooking supply or your water supply suddenly is non-existent. We've talked to people about having things in the home that would take care of those things, whether it's a little camping stove and a supply of water, or water purification tablets or something like that. So we do advocate that that's a smart idea. Yeah, but you see, there's a bit of a crossover here, and that is that that's just common sense, in my opinion. In other words, ever since mankind ever set foot on this planet, it has been necessary to plan for the winter, for example, by harvesting the food. So you can argue, well, you know, is that forecast or is that just is just being sensible that you would harvest your food and store some of it because you know that it's not going to grow during those winter months. Right. And in the same way, it would make sense to go out and get warm clothing and have that ready for the winter months and have some shelter for against the rain and the snow that would fall during those cold winter months. So a lot of that... While it might sound predictive somewhat, it's one of the reasons why you had in the past the old farmer's almanac, for example. And what that used to do was somewhat long-range weather predictions in a way, but not really because it was looking at the trends. For example, some people would say, well, if there's lots of holly berries on the, on the, the holly trees, it means it's going to be a harsh winter. And for that reason, it stores up a lot of these berries that the birds would eat so as to carry them through. Now, some people have completely debunked that and discounted it. But at the same time, nature seems to be far more in tune with what's the unfolding seasons and the unfolding of a pattern than we are. And when we look to the future in that way, we, we can be classed as sorcerers and, and predictors and prophesiers and all sorts. But that's why I say I'm trying to draw the difference here between being sensible and being practical as well as being keeping an eye on nature because nature seems to know far more than we do. And in looking at nature now, we can see that there are things happening that can no longer be denied. People have been talking about them for years and years and especially leading up to that whole 2012 situation. And in from then on, things did seem to change and quite dramatically. We've got polar ice caps melting. We've got uh, extremes that we've talked about in many sessions extremes in various parts of the world where people are suffering the hot parts seem to be getting hotter and the cold parts seem to be getting colder and there is there are things happening that we need to take cognizance of and you know my advice there as Angel Rose says it just makes sense to have uh, some kind of a cooking mechanism in your home some kind of sensible resources let's say Mm-hmm. for a possible spiritual winter. Let's call it that, a spiritual winter that may be coming. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you think of your life and you think of why certain things happen, I look back on my time that I lived in New Mexico. What I did was I lived off off the grids in a tiny little underground earth ship circular cabin that was 17 feet <laughs> wide. It wasn't very big. But... You know, we had to bring in water from a community well. We had to get our water. We took showers outside. There was no nothing to heat up the water except the sun. We cooked on a little camper stove, a little gas propane camper stove. Our warmth was from a wood-burning stove. 
So we learn not to waste. I think that experience taught me not to waste. And it also, well, we had no plumbing either. So we went to the bathroom in a, in a bucket and then we dumped it in a hole. But I make this point to say that living like that has its own rewards. In other words, it really did teach me how much modern conveniences you don't need. And I think people need to hear this because we've been watching people kill themselves over the fact that suddenly their quality of living isn't quite the same. They don't have the same comforts. They're going through financial hardship and they're taking their lives because of it. And I find this really, really disturbing to see our dependency on so many things. And even when you and I were together, Ohano, remember that winter we spent at our friend's in North Carolina, and his pipes froze. He was also on a spring-fed well. His pipes froze one winter. Remember how cold it was? I do, indeed, yes. And you, you guys, for the well, for two weeks, we didn't have uh, running water because it was frozen. And I don't know where you guys... Oh, I know. You went up to the top of the well, and you... Tell the story. You broke the ice to get buckets of water. Uh, you know, I'd never seen ice form so quickly and with such thickness from my background coming from Ireland, because, you know, if it reaches freezing point, you know, a few, several times during the year, that would be it. But not to the degree that I witnessed there in North Carolina. It was severe. I mean, there was like 18 inches of the thickness of ice. It was incredible. I had to get a crowbar and burrow my way down through. And this is just on the top of a, of a well. And yeah, and a normal well wouldn't be like that, though. It was only because this was spring-fed that it had a pool of water. Yes, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, there was this, like, collection, concrete collection vat, uh, uh, as it were. And that had frozen to this depth of about 18 inches. But anyway, I broke way through it and collected water. But sure enough, the next morning it would be frozen over completely and totally again. So it was hardship. But my thoughts went to older people or those perhaps not capable in some way of actually breaking through that kind of situation. Right, or if you don't have a well. Yeah, or if you don't have a well, exactly. And then, of course, another interesting thing was when, when everything did start to defrost, lo and behold, didn't we discover that the water still wasn't flowing for some strange reason. And I ended up having to go and dismantle all the pipes working my way back towards the source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting yes. interesting words. Working back towards the source mm-hmm. and then found that there was a dead frog in the pipes that had blocked the whole thing. So these but are But that inter- wasn't all of it because you did find too that the was it the generator or something was broken. Something else was broken as well. There, absolutely. Everything seemed to go at that point in time. Now we've often talked about this in terms of an upgrade and perhaps it's a good time to talk about that we find that if you decide to let's say change the carpet in your living room or you decide to change your washing machine suddenly you'll find that your your fridge will crash or your car will break down or something because as you start to upgrade things in your life symbolically everything else wants to be upgraded at the same time and it seemed that was what was going on there everything needed to be changed it did But I think, too, the point of this story, that was just one cold winter in North Carolina. And I think if I had not gone through the New Mexico experience of living so poorly and simply off those power grids, that whole situation in North Carolina would have really thrown me. But because I had been through it, 
thankfully you you men hauled in the water every day but again you learn to do things very differently you're you're very sparing when you use water to wash dishes you don't waste it when you you wash yourself with a wash rag and soap as opposed to a shower you know you're caught you're very conscious of the toilet and the the amount of water actually that gets flushed every time you go to the bathroom so you you think of everything very 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 differently and i think that this is a good point really to make to people that they do need things in their home they that need that help them survive you know like you need coolers for example if your fridge goes out you do need water we always keep many gallons of water in the house and you do need a, a camping cooking stove something off propane you need a heat source it's something that you know people think oh i won't worry about it till i have to but i think it like you say these are just practical things much like squirrels gather nuts for the winter we are in a time now where and we have seen from being in the records that no place is immune to earth changes right now and i and i think it's not to scare people it's just a fact that we all need to accept and adjust into our lives. And it's also why there's so many things going on outside where they're encouraging people to grow crops in their home. Even if you live in an apartment, you can plant vegetables in gallon, you know, cut off a side of a gallon milk jug and put soil in there. There's so many things on the internet now that make that easy to grow things in your home where you have a supply of lettuce and tomatoes and stuff like that. So I think it's a wake-up call for people. Yeah, and let's put it completely and totally in context in terms of its streamlining with other discussions that we've had. We've had a discussion just a couple of weeks ago where we declared, and it wasn't just us declaring it, but we, we did announce that the time of evil is over. And many people were quite shocked that you could make such a statement. But we, we will go into the background of why we said that and why we believe it to be true. So then why are we saying to be prepared and to, to have resources at hand? And the reason, of course, is because this is like a huge last-ditch effort on behalf of a negative agenda to take what they can with them and take souls with them and take possessions with them and accumulate as much as they can and grasp and hold on to what territory and energy that they possibly can. And I don't mean that to sound very polarized or very warlike, but, you know, we are trying to look at the facts of the situation. And much like, say, an almanac would look at the, the past history in order to be able to make somewhat of an informed decision about what's going, what the winter is going to be like. And in that way, we're seeing that there is a, uh, the, the time of evil is over, but in its exit, there is chaos. Well, yeah, and uh, to give people to a little further background, this was back in 2012 where Source told us almost like evil had a particular time cycle to be here and wreak their havoc. And what's gone on is that time cycle is over. In other words, they are due to leave this planet and not succeed. Now, we've also at the same time, Source talks to us about this process of it leaving. And it is in conjunction with a purification process that we as people need to be going through. In other words, if we're going to uphold a new paradigm that is based on harmony and cooperation, 
We cannot sit idly and just hope that things change. We have to actively be very, very mindful of how we're using our consciousness because our consciousness does create and it creates moment by moment. So it's, and this is why we want to have this conversation today. So I'll bring this in. In other words, just to summarize this evil thing, it is on its way out, but it's not going to leave without trying to take as many souls with it as possible. And um, so this is why we can say it's been declared in the universe that they need to leave. The process is intact. It's only a matter of time. And in this process, we ourselves need to be upholding this higher energy. And we can also look at the parts of us that we could consider evil. And a lot of people would say, oh, no, you know, I don't have anything evil within me. I'm a good person. I'm nice. But we do, it's ha- it happens at the level of our beliefs and the level of how we view other people, how we judge other people, how we judge ourselves. All of this is thrown into the pool of negativity. All of it is. Okay. So now I want to bring it because I have to tell people that I was actually woken up this morning from a dream with Source talking to me and very quickly in a matter of 30 seconds gave me this progression of what it wanted us to mention today. So I want to talk now about how, to summarize, it, Source never predicts events. And um, it, does, it doesn't predict events because it does not want us energizing images of events. Okay, so... And the reason is because that is the process of manifestation. Absolutely, because thoughts create. So people who put things out all the time, they're, oh, here's this negative prediction. Uh, There's this astrology configuration happening. Oh, no, this is the end of the world. Uh, How many times have we heard that every time there's a grand cross of some type? Uh, People who put out, oh, I'm sensing this earthquake coming. You know, these little earthquakes are happening, and it's precursor to the big one, and or how about people who remote view and they see a horrible Armageddon scenario? Okay, these things are talked about all the time. They're given validity, especially people do use Edgar Casey and say, you know, he's never been wrong. But I still question where these people get these visions from. Okay, because source is really, really clear. And I'm talking about all prophecies back into the Bible and before. because. Prophecies are futures that they say are absolutely going to happen. But what you actually do see is, oh, something that was supposed to happen 10 years ago doesn't happen. And, oh, we got the date wrong. And here's another good example. There's the I Am map that's out there, supposedly the Ascended Masters uh, map of the Earth changes and the land masses that will change. And now they keep updating the map. You know, they keep changing the map. And, you know, what they keep saying is, oh, the dates have changed. It was supposed to happen 10 years ago. It didn't happen. So now it's going to happen. Oh, we got the date changed. Okay. And it's a good example of the danger of believing in these things and energizing these things. Because the fact that they don't happen when they say they're going to happen shows you that consciousness and cosmic forces do have something to do with altering these events. Otherwise, they'd all have happened on the same day. But what what we as humans seem to do is we give so much leeway 
with these prophecies and predictions. We say, you know, if something does occur 20 years later, we say, oh, well, that that prophecy was right then because they said that that was going to happen, you know, uh, 20 years ago. So here it is, you know, it's happened. So they're correct. Okay, well, it, it's such total nonsense. And again, I know I'm beating this. I'm really trying to make the point here because source is adamant, absolutely adamant about us not energizing any prophecies or predictions because we create them. In fact, what was it, a few weeks ago, we had the topic on the future. Maybe it was a month ago now, our Sunday group. And Source spent a lot of time talking to us about the difference between being in a linear frame of reference and being in the moment. And it actually showed me the whole progression. In other words... Because we are creatures that are, when we're born, we start to be taught by our parents. Okay, how to walk, how to talk, how to eat, how to have manners. And then we get to the point where we're brought into a religion. We're brought into a belief system. Some people are not, you know, some parents are not religious. But they, everybody's kind of brought up into a belief system about reality, about the world. And if you think how long these prophecies have been in effect, I mean, we're talking, well, I don't know when, Hahano, do you know when they first began? It seems like every civilization has their prophecies and predictions. Yes, it seems they all do in one form or another. Some of them went into, it took a religious format, and others then took a, a political format, or, but it's certainly in the consciousness of the people, various types of outcomes and various types of desires that have been manifested and that could be by way of conquest or or uh, predictions as i say that have come down a religious mindset but the fact is though what's really interesting is when we talk about manifesting an outcome you see here's my personal situation with regard to this when i was a teenager i was aware of the power of the mind to create and I remember desiring to manifest a bicycle for myself and it didn't happen for for several years and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't happening why it didn't happen but I began to become aware of the fact that there is a somewhat of a delay in our ability to manifest now we're seeing evidence of that speeding up but my point though is that there seems to be this delay between the thought and the actual manifestation of the outcome. So the, the outcome that we're seeing now in terms of the evidence of destruction and evil and cataclysm in the world now in general may not have been created right now, could easily have been created from the various civilizations all through the thousands of years in the past living out of fear and the Dark Ages, for example, living out of fear and fearing the future and predicting the, that future into the future that we're evidencing now. Well, and you can see that even with people who use the Bible in that way. Because in conversations about the Bible, a lot of people will say, well, you know, you hear a lot of things. Oh, the Bible is symbolic. If you go with uh, Santos Bonacci, he believes the Bible represents different um, journeys through the zodiac he's probably right okay and that the people involved in the bible are we actually represent different ages and it, that's a huge thing to explore 
there are people who interpret things that were said back in biblical days as applicable to now in terms of the events. And then you'll have other people say, no, it was applicable to that time period only. But it's an example of how we bring forward things into each age. We bring these things forward into the future. So to springboard off of what you were just saying, what Source was telling us in our topic on the future was that because we think linearly, we think from past, present to future, you know, you'll hear things like your future will be exactly like your past if your thinking is the same. And that is what's happening because we're raised in certain religious traditions. We, if you're not in a religion, but you're metaphysical, there's still a danger there because there's all this channeled information that talks about the dangerous stuff that's going to happen. There's just a plethora, let's just say, of stuff to come from. And you are right that things that people believe centuries ago, they get brought forward generation after generation after generation into this generation. And therefore, we just keep creating these scenarios. Our, we do it ourselves with our minds because this is what we expect for the future. And this is why when Source talks about a purification process, it's talking about us really having to take a look at what are our, what are our own subconscious beliefs. What do we believe about God? What do we believe about the future? What do we believe about the earth? Okay, and these things we really need to start exploring. Our subconscious energy does create those things to occur. And Source has been really clear. Remember that time Source actually showed us. It told us that we, ne we don't need to go through earth changes. It does not create earth changes itself. In fact, it showed us that if we were all in the moment, we would all be standing columnar waves of light all over the planet. And it actually gave us a vision of it. These pillars of light that were everywhere across the planet. And we have it in our ability right now to be aligning with that reality. That reality already exists somewhere. But it's making the point to say we really need to be very aware of what we're energizing. Uh, where we put our energy. What do you read on Facebook? What do you energize? What do you share with your friends about things that are going on on that level so we really need to if there's ever a time when we need to be very very vigilant about what we're using with our thought process it's now you're listening to angel rose and ahanu and we're discussing predictions prophecies and timelines and we're looking at our orientation in terms of past present and future how we create our futures the martyr consciousness we're going to talk about very shortly now and we also want to look at the whole area of victim and victimizer suffering and how we move into the resurrection consciousness but we look at that more towards the end by way of a resolution to the to the maladies and the difficulties that people are encountering so let's get back to the discussion, Angel Rose, we were talking about the future, creating the future, and we wanted to be clear about the difference between predicting outcomes and prophesying outcomes that are negative, but at the same time using common sense in the whole area of working close with nature and just being sensible with the cycles that are going on. Part of our shifting our consciousness, when you look at how nature is forcing us 
to do things differently and not be so dependent on things that are, pollute the environment. You know, like we we know electricity does that. There's a, books out there on electropollution in and of itself. But, you know, when all of a sudden nature comes ripping through and tears down everything you've been dependent on, and now you've got to focus on survival and do it in a way where things are much simpler. Um, you don't need to be using all this electrical stuff. You know, it forces us to kind of get back to, to ground. So there's good that can come out of it because people are you know, taking responsibility and creating large gardens for their communities and feeding their own people and doing more sustainable living. That's that's surfacing all over the place, which is exactly part of this purification that we're talking about, that we are conscious of things being pure on every single level, from the food we eat to the food we grow to the atmosphere to the water. Uh, we start being more uh, conscious about nature and its importance to us. All right, but we were, before the break, we we were talking about how we create from a linear frame of reference, past, present, to future. And yet, Source gave us an experience of what it was like to be in a true moment. And all you need to do, if anybody wants to experience that, is you just sit quietly with yourself, you close your eyes, and you just invite Source to come and show you what a true moment is is like and you will have your own experience and we've done this we actually did it in a, in an akashic record practice group that we did online what you feel immediately is your own energy starts coming back to you in other words when i experienced it suddenly all this energy was rushing toward me from all sides and i didn't quite understand what was happening i felt it come from the left from the right from the top from the bottom it was all coming toward me to a center in me I realized later that what was happening when you put yourself in a true moment is all the energy that you've been using to think of the past or think of your future all comes back toward you and you have it. You reclaim your own energy that you've been putting out toward the past or the future. And in that moment, it was almost like if people could imagine a concentrated point of power where you were experiencing the love and bliss of God's source in, in a full moment. And what people need to know is that that itself is creation. That, you know, in other words, if people say, well, if I was just in a moment all the time, how would anything get done? But what they don't understand is that being in that point of concentrated power, uh, when you're connected to the intention and the will of source, which is happiness, which is bliss and happiness. That is what you create in the next moment and the next moment and the next moment, okay? Your mind no longer starts looking down this future track where you've got to prepare this and prepare that. You actually put yourself in alignment with direct uh, inspiration from source, direct creation, so that that reality actually has a chance to manifest. Because the way we do it, the way we think... And our linear thought process does not leave an opening for the true love and creation of source to come through us and manifest because we're preoccupied. You know, and it, and it reminds me, uh, here's a little example. I lost my sister some years back and uh, I, I also had a brother who died when he was 22 years old, which was a long time ago. And no one has 
I've been aware of my brother at all on the other side. It's not like he's appeared or communicated. But my sister was sick, and she had this dream where my brother came to her. And in the dream, she said to my brother, Why haven't you come to me before now? And he said, Because you've always been so busy. You know, so it was kind of like, well, I didn't have any room to come to you. You know, there was no opening for me to come to you because you were always busy doing this, doing that, projecting forward or backwards. And I think it's also, uh, I'll briefly mention it, that is connected to the aging process. Our linear frame of reference, past, present, and future, is what creates aging. Very different than being in a true moment, okay? And so Source wants us to really understand how we create the future by thinking about things in the past or by our programming. All we're really doing, you know, you've heard that phrase, there's there's nothing new under the sun. And that's because we just transfer beliefs that we've held in from the past, from generations back forward. I mean, the forms may change slightly, but it's still the same content. And so when people say, are, are we suddenly going to have some big event that's going to transform this whole entire world? I always say no, because our consciousness is creating the future. Okay? So being conscious of what you are thinking and believing is paramount to what timeline we actually develops on this planet. And source is clear that nothing is set in stone. There is no futures that are set in stone or destined to happen it all has to do, we could change things in an instant if we understood how powerful our consciousness really is. Now that's a beautiful place for us to take a very, very quick little break. But before we do, Angel Rose, you mentioned about aging and we did an absolutely wonderful session some weeks ago. And I want to point our listeners to it simply because it was all about longevity and aging. And it can be had from the archives at worldofempowerment.com. It's a blatant plug because uh, it's a CD that people can order or an MP3. They can download it, actually, if they want. It's on uh, worldofempowerment.com on longevity and aging. An absolutely wonderful discussion treatise on the whole issue of the past present and future timelines and how all of this creates aging and how to get out of it so we're going to take a quick little break now and after we come back we want to talk about that martyr consciousness we do want to get into that whole discussion about that so do bear with us we'll be right back after this You're listening now to Angel Rose and Ahanu. Well, welcome back. So, Ahanu, we had been discussing timelines and prophecies and sources' view of predictions, uh, prophecies, as you clarified for us earlier. All right, and here's the other piece that Source wanted me to mention today. Okay, it wanted to talk about martyr consciousness. And certainly this is an archetype, an archetypal consciousness that we all have been in for a long, long, long time. And it actually gets reinforced by images of the crucifixion of Jesus, where people focus on his crucifixion instead of his resurrection or ascension. And of course, we are acknowledging that there's many schools of thought out there now that are questioning whether Jesus ever existed at all. 
or if he did, was he actually crucified? So we are aware that those potentials are out there, but we're going to look at martyr consciousness strictly as an archetypal belief system, okay, that we've been under for a long time. And it is the idea, okay, that suffering and victimization is real. And so if we follow the line of martyr, it basically says, I'm either sacrificing my life for a greater good, or I'm being victimized or tormented to uphold a greater good. So there's different levels of martyrdom. So we need to talk about the different levels. It's anything from feeling that you're totally victimized, and that the things that are happening to you are happening outside of yourself that you had absolutely no participation in. And it's the why me consciousness. Why me? Why is this happening to me? I'm being attacked. I'm being, you know, singled out, whatever. Any thought processes that go along with you feeling that somehow something is happening to you that you had no part of, that you were, that you're ineffective and now you're you're being victimized okay and obviously we can see evidence of that playing itself out in our system our system is a victim system it is definitely looks at the downtrodden looks at whenever a crime is committed uh, somebody's in effect of the crime so we need to go toward guilt and we need to go toward punishment whether it's directed outwardly or towards ourselves, because we do it to ourselves as well, okay? And I need to be careful here because I don't want people thinking that I'm living in some sort of a fairy world where everything is okay. I definitely don't think that. Well, let me give an example of my own experience of that why me types of consciousness. And it's very appropriate that this should come up now because... Yesterday, I just took delivery of my new book called The Reincarnation of Columbus. It's a story, a true story, of the, from the time when my first baby died. And I was asking at that time, why me? Because I had perceived myself as a you know, reasonably good man. I wasn't a murderer or a rapist or a drug addict or an alcoholic or anything that I might attract negative or retribution or karma to myself, in my opinion. So my question was, why me? And I went for years and years and years asking, why has this tragedy befallen me? Why me? Why why me? So the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's very easy to fall into that mode of thinking. That, you know, why was I ever born? Why am I here? What, what am I doing? It's all negative. It's all corruption. It's all deceit. It's all lies. It's all pain. It's all suffering. Why me? Why me? Why me? And being in the moment as you rightfully guide us, Angel Rose, is actually about stepping out of that and seeing things from the bigger picture. And that's what happens in the reincarnation of Columbus. It does actually move out of that victim place and into a place of, of joy. But it does take a lot of... Daily growth. diligence. Daily diligence, Because exactly. it's not something you just get over one day. I mean, it's something that has to be practiced. And I, I think in relation to the futures that we're creating, we have to understand that that martyr consciousness is a paradigm. 
that we've been living under and we see evidence of everywhere. In fact, the news is full of it. I mean, all you ever hear on the news is what horrible thing happened in a particular area to somebody, something, somewhere. It's all, let's focus on the most tragic news we can find and let's energize that. And that is what people energize is what they're addicted to is what they find interesting you see it in the movies you know three quarters of the movies that are out there now they're all they repeat the past it's easy to see how movies repeat the past it's all war even if you look at science fiction movies the aliens are all horrible they're all monsters now that we've moved into energizing witchcraft and you know, negative things, and and there's not all witchcraft is bad, by the way. I'm not saying that, but that's what the movies are portraying. And the whole zombie side of things. The whole zombie side of things, the whole vampire. I mean, this is what, if you watch the movement, this is what they're trying to have us put our energy on. And the truth is, is, you know, we are looking at Armageddon. Every now and then you get uh, a, a different movie like the one coming out that is out now, I believe, called Heaven is Real. I haven't seen that yet, but, you know, well, you and I very often have tried to go to the movies, and when we look at the lineup, the stuff is just full of war and battle and, again, evil being attacking, uh, good having to conquer it, not without taking many lives with it. You know, it's all the same stuff, okay? TVs are full of it. So we are in a, a very, very precarious situation because... This is the pattern of history. This is history. This is why, I mean, let's look at what's going on now, even in governments and economy. You know, the one world order is desperately trying to energize a third world war. Uh, they'll say it's, you know, for economic reasons, but we know it's it's economic, it's conquest, it's control, it's enslavement, it's enslavement, yeah, under the heading of democracy. Um we all know that what's really going on is they just want to keep us uh, slaves to their system. And so they will collapse the money system when they feel that it's the right moment to bring us to our knees. And I think this is why we all need to really find other ways of trading, other ways of exchanging goods amongst one another that don't have to do with money. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent there, but I'm, bringing it all under the heading of martyr consciousness. And when we lose our jobs, let's say, when we get fired, we're victims. When we something someone gets sick or we go through a tragedy, we're all victims. It's everywhere, really. Okay, but ultimately it does go back to us believing in a punishing God. If you really take it back, it's got its roots in the fact that we all believe in judgment, God's judgment. In fact, Ahana, I am reading your book and, and I'm early on in your book, but some of the thought processes you went through, in fact, that book is fantastic for anybody to see how the mind flip-flops from one victim scenario to the next, to the next, to the next. You were talking in that book questioning, you know, God's punishment, feeling that you, you and your wife at the time must have done something bad somewhere to be deserving of such a fate. And of course, that's a logical reaction, a very natural reaction. But it does go to the fact that we all have a very deep subconscious fear that 
possibly were not as good as we think. Okay? That we did something in the past that we now are paying are the paying price for. for. Yes. And that's the whole karma idea, actually. Yes. Good karma versus bad karma. But, uh, you know, another example of the victim thing is when somebody does exhibit bad behavior, okay, abusive behavior of some type, there's a part of us that is takes pleasure in saying, well, the law of karma will get them one day. You know, what goes around comes around. They will get theirs, and we're, we're happy about that. You know, we actually delight in that idea. Okay, now, what sources told me, and I had to learn it through my own experience because I had that attitude toward my ex-husband because he was, wasn't a nice guy, let's say. He was not a good father. He was, he was abusive in his own way. And when we broke up, I certainly did not have good wishes towards him. I mean, I didn't really have negative ones either. I didn't wish any harm on him. But I just thought, if you had to say, did somebody deserve happiness, I would have said, no, he doesn't really. Well, really, it was actually, source came to me and let me know how distorted that thinking was. Because... Source let me know in no uncertain terms that the truth is, is all that Source ever does is provide another opportunity for a person to realize love, that they are loved, that they deserve love. And it kind of put it in a thing that said any bad behavior is because people don't know that. You know, they don't believe that about themselves so ultimately, that's why I'm saying ultimately it is a belief system we have about God. That God punishes, that, you know, God takes care of evil and all of this. But what's really true is source does not judge anything. It only presents love again and again and again until we choose it. And that's really what's going on. So when we talk about martyr consciousness and we talk about our belief in victims and victimizers, you know, that whole thought process has to shift where we actually make a choice to bless people instead, to uh, be harmless in our desires towards other people. Uh, we make different choices and, and that is part of the purification of our own consciousness. But I just want to make the point for people to really see how pervasive this martyr consciousness is. And really, the high part of martyrdom, it's like the hangman in the tarot card, where he's completely upside down, that he's reversed, his head is down, his feet are up, and his head is surrounded in a halo on the image of that card. What it is, is a complete reversal of his thought system. It's a complete reversal of his consciousness. That's the high end of martyrdom, where you actually surrender your ego mind and its victim perceptions to the higher order of God source. That's really what a true martyr does is he surrenders his ego thought system to his own Holy Spirit inside, which is completely loving. That's the process. But he has to undo his ego. He's got to undo his lower nature in order for him to achieve or experience that kind of divine love. I'm always open and supportive of anything that 
has answers for people, that will help people to come to a higher place, that will help people realize, simply because it took me so long and had to go through so much pain and suffering myself. I want to impart shortcuts in in lots of ways to help people realize the futility and the stupidity, actually, and the uselessness of continuing to think in a negative and judgmental way. And that's not to say that any of us are out of that way of thinking because, you know, my own belief at this point is that the reason we're still here is because we're still in judgment or in fear. And when we transcend that, then we can make all kinds of choices about dropping bodies and incarnating into other bodies or moving to different dimensions or do all what the yogis talk about when they talk about enlightenment, shrink to the size of an atom or walk through walls or become light as a feather or whatever it is that that they talk about. But these are aspects of consciousness that can only come when judgment is dropped and when that whole timeline consciousness of past, present and future is dropped. And as you rightly described in the beautiful way you described the past, present and future in terms of timelines collapsing into the moment, when that happens, then you have freedom, you have real freedom. And this is what we're also witnessing. We talked about witnessing the negativity that's going on out there, but we're also actually witnessing a wonderful new transformation that's taking place with people. And that is that ability to be able to be non-judgmental. People are actually beginning to understand that there is a need to make choices in every moment and they are making the right choices. And, you know, it's not for me to judge what's right or wrong, but it seems that the choice to go to a higher place with your thinking, the choice not to judge, the choice to be better, the choice to to love better and the choice to live better is happening all around and we're witnessing it and with that comes that sense of joy and that fearlessness because what we notice is that people who are making these choices to live better and love better are also dropping the fear. They seem to be becoming more fearless they're becoming more courageous because they're looking at things from the bigger picture and they're realizing that they're not just this body and they're realizing that there's nothing to be afraid of, really. I always refer to the Course in Miracles every now and again, but a Course in Miracles, I just want to say this is part of that martyr consciousness because I know people can misunderstand what I'm saying and say, oh, are you saying that everything we experience, we create ourselves. And I'm going to say yes and no. In other words, when I studied the Course years ago, which of course is anybody who gets into the Course, it's an ongoing Course. You don't just get done it in a year or two. But when I was actively in it, Jesus would actually, I would go through an experience where I'd say, there's just no way that I created that, that I had a hand in that creation. And Jesus would actually rewind a videotape in my mind and take me back to a time when I was thinking about certain things and I was, you know, I was thinking in a particular way and would prove to me how my own thought process did have a hand in that creation. And it did it for probably a few months consistently to say, 
oh, well, you think you didn't, your consciousness didn't have a part in it. Let me show you. And it, it wasn't saying that I was totally creating it, but what it was saying was that I was making choices and decisions that were based in guilt and based in uh, perceiving enemies outside myself. And after that, I got it. I totally got it. Because if we're going to get out of victim consciousness, we have to take responsibility for the fact that we are, you know, with our thoughts and beliefs and perceptions, we are contributing to a particular future. And if you do ask, you diligently ask to be shown where you are creating that, what thought process is going on in you that is contributing to a particular creation, you will see it. Okay, now you can make lemonade out of any lemons. You know, any negativity that you see, this is not to reinforce guilt in people. This is to show you that you can just as quickly, instantly make a different decision. And that's why I'm saying that this is a diligent process. Because how many times did Jesus say to me, you can choose peace in this situation. And every time that I did, the situation instantly changed. I mean, and I do mean instantly. But I watched the resistance in parts of me that didn't want to choose peace. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make, that this consciousness goes deep within all of us. It does, Angel Rose, and it's so deep, and it's very personal to all of us too. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about my own situation when my first baby died, when I was talking about the why me complex, you know, and you mentioned there that I didn't have a hand in that creation, that denial of our circumstances and our situation, saying I didn't create this, you know. Now, all the time we're trying to put forward a way that is encouraging for people, something that people can hold on to that's hopeful rather than tragic. So we want this conversation not at all to focus on negative outcomes and by way of predictions or prophecies and timelines and so on, but to make the choice to step into the timeline where what we do create is a joyful outcome. But here's what happens, you see. In my situation where I was saying, why me? Why did this happen to me? And you, you, know, you, you put it by way of, I didn't have a hand in that creation. I didn't do that. It's actually no comfort to anybody to say, especially when they're in turmoil and they're in a tragic situation, to say, oh, you, you, you created that. I mean, that's no comfort to anybody. It's the same thing that happened to me when I was in the throes of grief and people were coming up to me saying things like, oh, I know how you feel. You know, my mother died 20 years ago or my father died a few years ago. It's not the same as when your child dies. So they didn't know how you feel. So here's what I'm getting at. It's no comfort to say to anybody that you create your own future if they're not at that level of consciousness to understand that that's what they're actually doing. Do you know what I'm saying? So what's happening now is the consciousness of the world is changing without us having to point out by way of judging the standard of another. In other words, people are beginning to grasp the fact that they are creating their own outcomes Anyway, whether they realize it on the 3D level or not, people are beginning to get an understanding that something that they do today manifests tomorrow or next week. They're, they're, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not by way of judgment. 
No, and I do want to clear the levels here because we do need to clear the levels. In the examples that I'm giving today, I'm very clearly talking about my own experiences in my own things that I went through in my life. Okay, now here's where we'll bring in other people because in your example, obviously your son passed away and to say that you or your wife created him dying is not what I'm saying. Okay, what I'm saying is that you're having an experience Okay, that you do have something to do with. In other words, we're all in interrelationship with each other. So the best way I can explain this is, is when, when my sister passed away, I mentioned her earlier. Afterwards, because it was very sudden, you know, she got ill and within six months she was gone. And what I heard from her afterwards, and she made this statement, which I, at the time I thought, well, that's kind of, blatant and direct but it made the point she said to me my death is none of your business and in that statement what I understood very clearly what she was trying to say to me is that my death is in relationship to myself in other words her dying had everything to do with her consciousness with her soul journey with her own relationship with her inner self and her life and that every single person has the right to choose and does have a hand in choosing when they live, when they die. And that's the same as your little son at four months old. We tend to think that babies are not aware. They're not mature. We're not under understanding that they are souls that have lived all their lives, that have a purpose to what they're doing. We may not understand it at the time, but... Certainly, he had his own relationship with himself. Now, what I am acknowledging is, like my sister really made clear to me, and in fact, I'll tell my listeners that, as you know, I had a partner before you who committed suicide, and he shot himself in front of me, okay? And the thing is, is, did he have a right to do that? Absolutely. Did I create him doing that? No, I did not create him doing that, but I was in effect of it. So it did have something to do with me on those levels, okay? And the fact that I am having this experience of my sister dying or I'm having an experience of my partner killing himself. And the only thing that is left is, what does this have to do with me? Now, you can acknowledge that that soul is in relationship with itself and is making its own choices, okay? And in that way... You do respect other souls. But if you're having the experience directly or you're in effect of that experience, that has everything to do with you and with your wife and all the other people involved. And it's the experience that you're going through and how you interpret that experience and what you do with that experience that lets you know if you're going to go down the tubes from it or if you're going to grow from it. Are you going to become a more loving person? Because when my partner committed suicide, at least I feel I was aware enough to know that I had learning to happen in that. You know, I, I went back to that place two or three times with the intention of having spirits show me what I missed. And I don't think I could have saved him. I'm not talking about that. Obviously, there was information there for me that I felt I needed. 
in that way, that situation has everything to do with me because it does affect my relationship with myself and my relationship with the world and my relationship with other people who also go through the same thing. And I did go back and I did learn a lot, a lot that I wasn't aware of by going back to the place. That's the part that I'm saying I took responsibility for the fact that I didn't know it all in that situation. Obviously, I didn't see it coming, even though I knew this person struggled with suicide in the past, thoughts of suicide when he was my friend. But I didn't see this particular thing coming, and I wanted to know why I didn't see it coming. Okay, So I went back and I learned, would he still have made the same decision for his own life? He probably would have. I didn't cause him to commit suicide. It was a choice he made. But that's the point I'm trying to make, is that we are all making decisions about ourselves all the time. And how we choose to interpret those experiences and situations, that's the part that I'm saying we have to kind of look at our responsibility in our contribution to our, the quality of our own lives and the quality of the world. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying we create uh, the earth changes, but in a way, sources saying our collective martyr consciousness, our collective beliefs about suffering and victim and victimizer do help create more cataclysm, more polarization. Those beliefs do contribute to that. Okay, now here's an example, and just to show you what I mean. You yourself know, being part of TM, Transcendental Meditation, that there was an experiment done some years ago where a group of meditators got together in a particular area and meditated all day long for an extended period of time. And during that time, they did reduce the crime level in the area. So that shows you right there how consciousness does change a pattern. And it's, but the thing is, is when they stopped, and when they stopped doing it and they pulled their energy away from that, the crime went right back in place. And the reason the crime did is because the collective consciousness of the other people in the area were not in the space that the meditators were. They're obviously in this linear progression that I'm talking about. And so it went right back to the old pattern because that's what the mass energy was doing. But it does prove that when people do redirect their thought processes to something that is more loving and benign, that it does affect the existing paradigm. And that's what I'm trying to get across. That's what Source is trying to get across. And it's, it's adamant about getting it across to our listeners because we are in a precarious time now where what we do with ourselves does determine the outcome of you know, the forces of negativity that are out there that are, you know, they attack us in our weak points and our dependencies. And they would love nothing more than to maintain their control and bring us to our knees. Okay, and this is why we need to grow up. We need to grow, and myself included. I am certainly not perfect in the things that I'm talking about today. And that's the next part of where, where I wanted to take this today, Hannah, was what is resurrection consciousness well i do want to go out on the positive note of the resurrection of our thought processes the future that if we're going to be in the business of creating futures why not create 
the best possible outcome, the courageous future, the, the future of joy instead of mediocrity and pain and suffering? Well, the future of joy is created in the moment, I need, need to say. The more we can actually bring ourselves and are willing to bring ourselves into a true moment, that will naturally create a positive outcome. But as archetypes, going from a martyr archetype to a resurrection archetype, which really is what the whole story of Jesus symbolized, I think people want to go from martyr consciousness right away to ascension. And we really have resurrection to happen in between. And resurrection really is a regeneration process. It is a process, you know, the word itself doesn't mean that people who are dead in the grave are going to rise up and be alive again. You know, source has been clear to say once people die and they're cremated or they're in the grave, they stay there. We're not talking about bringing dead bodies to life. We're talking about bodies that are living now, being changed and being resurrected. And that is the effect of what happens when you start to clear up martyr consciousness. The body starts to change. Your cells will, and your chemicals, and your hormones in your body will change when you shift your belief system and your consciousness. And the cells can be regenerated. They can be made pure and carry a lot more light, carry a lot more love. And so we're talking about a regeneration. It has to occur consciously first. It does affect the biological state of everything. Everything changes physically. That's a resurrection process. That is getting the body prepared to actually become a light vehicle, which is what ascension is. But in terms of paradigms, we have to shift from a victim paradigm to in a resurrection paradigm. And that is only done through divine love and forgiveness. In fact, if anybody really truly understands the judgment card in the tarot deck, that really is the resurrection card. It's not a card of judgment per se. It's a card of, you know, you'll see those angels are blowing trumpets. And of course, there are schools of thought that say, oh, they're talking about the angels of the apocalypse sounding the trumpets for destruction and cataclysm. But actually, the higher part of that card is sound healing, that when you change the sound frequency of your body, you resurrect it to a higher state. And that has to be done through our choices. And that's where we're moving. That's where we need to be moving uh, into a resurrection consciousness where things are forgiven. And forgiveness truly means that we understand God's source's intention and we align with it, which means that God doesn't judge anyone. God gives everyone another opportunity to love no matter who you are. And I've said this before on this show that you can do that and then lock up somebody who's murdering people. You can close the door on your brother in jail so that he doesn't hurt another living thing, but you can do it knowing that he, what he really needs is to know that he's loved. And you that's all that you intend for him as you close the door and turn the key. Okay, you say, brother, you know, I hold no harm. You know, you don't wish him dead. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't wish him dead. You bless him instead, hoping that someday, some lifetime, he will come to a reconciliation with himself and with the world. That's what you do. 
Okay, we do have to bring it to a close there, Angel Rose. Let me do a very, very quick summary of what we've covered today. We wanted to talk particularly about predictions, prophecies and timelines. And we did start off by speaking about how now going forward, it's very important for us all to be very mindful in this time period. We spoke about the timelines and the Armageddon scenario and the opposite It's Paradise Earth outcome and how that is just a simple choice. We discussed also about using the resources of the Earth sparingly. We talked about judging others. We gave a brief mention about Santos Bonacci and his principles of astro-theology. The power of thought in manifesting an outcome. We spoke about the power of nature and we discussed sustainable living and then you described beautifully what it was like to be in a true moment and creating a blissful future by living in the moment. We talked about our linear frame of reference and that's what creates aging and we discussed a little bit about that aging process. The martyr and crucifixion consciousness the why me syndrome and the whole victim business, uh, the victim and victimizer consciousness. We spoke about zombie and vampire energy, believing in judgment, the ever-present opportunity to realize love, and how it's so important for us now to be in a blessing mode instead of judging, and how If we only knew it, we are in a beautiful relationship with all life everywhere at all times. How now it's so important to redirect our thoughts to the growth of awareness and shift to ascension consciousness. And there is a sound frequency of resurrection, which is the process of forgiveness. So all in all, we've had an absolute wonderful discussion of how our orientation has been in terms of past, present and future and how we create our futures and the martyr consciousness, the victim and victimizer suffering and how we move then into resurrection consciousness. So I think that's been very, very satisfying, Angel Rose. I hope that our listeners will benefit from it. We send you our love, our blessings and thank you for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. Gail Rose and Ahanu. 